Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Hey church, my name's Luke. I'm one of the ministers here at PCC. It's an honor to get to open God's word with you today. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and crack them open to Matthew chapter eight. You know, every day we have our identity questioned. Every time you swipe your debit card and punch in your pin number, every time you uh, do your thumbprint on your phone or type in your password, every time you sign your name or show somebody your driver's license, you are answering the question, who are you? Are you really who you say you are? And that's the question I wanna ask together today about Jesus, because that's the question that Matthew wants us to ask. Matthew's the one who records our story for the day, and he wants us to ask this question, who is Jesus? Is he really who he says he is? Because if he is, then everything in our lives must revolve around him. But if he's not, then there's no reason to interrupt your life with Christianity. So who is this Jesus? And I wanna dive deeper into this question by looking at one of the most spectacular events from the life of Jesus here in Matthew chapter eight, verses 23 through 27. Matthew says this, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're gonna drown. He replied, you of little faith, Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. So let's set the scene here. Jesus has been teaching all day by the Sea of Galilee and he's tired. So he says to his disciples, hey guys, let's hop in the boat and go across to the other side of the lake. And by lake, he's referring to the Sea of Galilee. Now, here's what you need to know about the Sea of Galilee. It's 13 miles long, eight miles wide, and 685 feet below sea level. It is the lowest freshwater lake on the planet, but it's surrounded by hills. On the northeast side of the lake is Mount Hermon, which is over 9,000 feet high. And so all that cold mountain air comes rushing down the hill and it mixes with the warm air there on the surface of the lake. And I'm no meteorologist, but I grew up in Tornado Alley and I know what that means. The storms on the Sea of Galilee are known for being incredibly chaotic. To this day, parking lots on the shore of the lake have warning signs talking about how the the high winds can cause waves to come up and swamp the cars. And so first, when the disciples start rowing their boat across the lake, it's calm, everything is fine, Jesus is tired, he falls fast asleep in the back of the boat, and then it starts to drizzle a little bit. Then that drizzle turns into a light rain, and it's still no big deal, of course, but the rain gets stronger and stronger, and the wind picks up more and more until all of a sudden the disciples find themselves in a raging storm. The waves are tossing them back and forth, water sloshing over the side of the boat. They're taking on water. The guys in the back of the boat are hollering at the guys in the front of the boat, row harder, and the guys in the front of the boat are hollering at the guys in the back of the boat saying, we are, and finally they realize that they're going down, and so one of them shakes Jesus awake and says, Lord, save us, we're gonna drown, and Jesus Jesus stands up and he takes one look at the wind and the waves and he says, peace, be still. And everything is calm. 
and the disciples, <laughs> they're flabbergasted. And they say, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. We're in the middle of this series right now called A Clearer Vision of Dangerous Prayer. And we're praying these prayers together, these dangerous prayers, they, they disturb us, they, they challenge us. And so far we've prayed these prayers, unify us. And last week we prayed, show us. And, and this week our prayer is save us. Now save us may not sound like a dangerous prayer to you, but it is because save us is a prayer you only really pray when you're helpless. When you've tried rowing and you've tried bailing out water, you've tried everything you know how to do, but you're still stinking, sinking and the only thing left is to cry out to God. You're helpless. And that's actually a really good place to be. Because you know, all too often we can fool ourselves into thinking that we can do it all on our own, that we've got it under control. In Nazi Germany, above the entryway to the infamous concentration camp Auschwitz, you can see the words, Arbeit macht frei. It means work makes free. In other words, your work will liberate you. Your work will rescue you. And that was a lie, of course. It was a false hope. And hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives in that very camp, living under that lie. The Nazis, see, they wanted people to believe that, that hard work would save you when really all of these people were trapped and helpless. Arbeit macht frei is the spiritual lie of this age. It's a false hope. And it's the opposite of the gospel. This idea that somehow you could work hard enough to save yourself, that you can do enough good things to earn your way onto God's good side, that you could somehow have a fulfilling life that lasts outside of Jesus Christ. It's the hope of every false religion and it is a lie straight from the pits of hell. Arbeit macht frei. But the disciples, they realized that their work would not make them free. They realized pretty quick in this storm that all of a sudden, if left to their own ability and their own resources, they were gonna sink and they were gonna drown. And so they pray. They pray this prayer, save us, Lord, save us. You know, all good prayer begins from a position of weakness. And so the disciples cry out to Jesus. In the Greek, their prayer is really just three words. They say, Lord, save, dying, <laughs> It's a simple prayer. It's a helpless prayer. But I've heard it said before that when we are at the end of our capacity, Christ is at the beginning of his sufficiency. And so Jesus hears their helpless prayer and he answers and they're saved. Three of the four gospel writers actually include this story of Jesus calming the storm. And in Mark's account, the disciples actually start their prayer a little bit differently. Mark says in chapter four, verses 37 and 38, he says, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped and Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. This is actually the only time here in the gospels that we see Jesus sleeping, which is pretty incredible because while he's in the back of the boat sawing logs, these seasoned, weathered, big, burly fishermen are scared out of their wits. And who knows, maybe it was James who says, hey, hey, Andrew, we need all hands on deck up here. You gotta go wake up Jesus. Tell him to get a bucket and start bailing. We need to help. And Andrew says, hey, you, you know, you, you'll go wake him up. I ain't waking him up. And they go back and forth until finally, who do you think it was? My guess is maybe it was Peter who says, fine, fine. All right, guys, I'll go wake him up. In verse 38, the disciples woke up and said to him, teacher, 
Don't you care if we drown? Have you ever felt that before? Maybe you've wondered, God, are, are, are you even there? And if you are there, do you even care? Aren't you going to do something, Lord? Don't you see what I'm going through? Maybe you've prayed for that wayward child for years now, but they just keep wandering further and further away. Maybe you've been in remission, but the doctor just told you that the cancer is back. Maybe the people in your life who are supposed to accept you and love you unconditionally and support you are actually rejecting you. Maybe you're approaching retirement age and you're looking at those accounts and you have no idea how you're gonna make it. Maybe you keep trying to start a family, but over and over again, you're met with disappointment and you just feel like a failure. I don't know what your pain is, but I do know that inside of every chest beats a broken heart. We've all got problems. And the disciples in this story, they had problems too, clearly. But there's something actually really surprising in this text. You see, the storm was not the disciples' biggest problem that day. Jesus said that their biggest problem wasn't what was happening outside of them. Their biggest problem was what was happening within them. Did you notice what Jesus said before he calmed the storm? Verses 25 and 26, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're gonna drown. And he replied, you have a little faith. Why are you so afraid? They say, Lord, save, dying. And he responds to them in Greek by just one word is what he calls them. He calls them little faiths. Why are you afraid, little faiths? And this is surprising to us, right? Why, why is Jesus getting onto them for being afraid? After all, gale force winds and massive waves swamping your boat and threatening you with impending doom. Sure seems like a legitimate thing to be scared of, right? I'd be afraid too. And we're well acquainted with fear and anxiety, aren't we? There's plenty of things for us to worry about. We worry about our kids. We worry about the virus, we worry about the election, we worry about stuff going on at work, we worry about how we're gonna make the next paycheck stretch, we worry about relationships. We find plenty of things to worry about. Years ago, there was an upholsterer in San Francisco who noticed something odd. He went to reupholster some furniture in the lobby of a cardiologist's office and he noticed something off about the furniture. Only the front edge of the cushions were worn out. Only the first few inches of the armrests were worn. And eventually some doctors put the pieces together and they discovered that many of their cardiac patients suffered from chronic unrest and anxiety. They couldn't relax. They couldn't even sit all the way back in their chairs. And I don't know about you, but, but I know what that feels like. And the disciples did too. But Jesus, I mean, Jesus He's perfectly at rest, perfectly at peace. He's asleep in the back of the boat because of how much he trusts God. And then he wakes up and he calls the disciples out on their fear. And I think he wants to call us out on our fear too. You see, Jesus cares about our anxiety and about our worry because it reveals something about the state of our heart. Your biggest problem isn't something going on around you. It's something going on within you. The problems around you reveal the problems within you. And, and, and I'm gonna say something here that you might not like to hear. Maybe God allows the problems around you 
so that he can work on the problems within you. Let me say that again. Maybe God allows the problems around you so that he can work on the problems within you. Now, please hear me. God is a good father. He does not delight in seeing his children suffer. And we live in a fallen world where sinful people have free will and there is a devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to steal and kill and destroy. And I do not believe that all of the pain and the evil and the suffering in this world is caused by God. No way. But remember, how did the disciples end up in this storm in the first place? It's because Jesus told them to cross the lake. He's the one who brought them out here. Not to drown them, but to teach them. And we actually see this all over the Bible, even in Psalm 23. Psalm 23, you know, it's one of the most comforting texts in all of scripture. Just a few days ago, I got to read Psalm 23 by the bedside of a woman in our church family who'd battered cancer valiantly for years. And as she prepared to die and enter to see Jesus, it was Psalm 23 that brought me comfort and the family comfort and her comfort. And we love the words of the famous verse four that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It brings us hope. But wait, hold on a minute. How did we get in the valley of the shadow of death? The shepherd led us there. Verses one through three, right before that says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. Beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Maybe God leads us through the valley to teach us to trust him. And maybe your fear is a sign that even though you don't want to admit it, sometimes we're still little faiths. And we have trouble trusting that God actually cares and that he does actually know what's best and that he is actually good and that he is actually strong enough to help. And, and you know, even when it looks like he's not doing anything, like maybe he's just sleeping in the boat, ignoring the storm. Maybe, maybe he just wants to teach us to trust him. Maybe God allows the problems around you so that he can work on the problems within you. I'm not much of a seafood guy. But I learned something about lobsters recently. From time to time, a lobster has to leave its shell in order to grow. Now, lobsters need their shells for protection to keep them from getting eaten or torn apart. But as the lobster grows, that shell becomes too small. And so if something isn't done, eventually that old lobster shell is soon gonna become a prison and eventually a casket. And so the lobster has to abandon its old shell in order for a new one to be formed. But that middle period in between the old shell and the new one, that's a scary, vulnerable, dangerous time for that lobster. I mean, the current carries it to and fro. There's hungry schools of fish who would love a lobster lunch. And for a while, that lobster must think that old shell looks pretty good. But if the lobster can just hang on, something new, something better is coming. And the same is true for us. Even when you're scared, even when you don't see it, even when you feel like just a little faith, we serve a big God and he is doing something even when it looks like he's just sleeping through the storm. So let's finish by asking the same question that we started with, the question that Matthew wants us to ask, remember? Verse 27, the disciples ask this. They say, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, some say that Jesus calmed the disciples' fear when he calmed the storm, but that's not true at all. They're more scared after he calms the storm than they were before. Mark chapter four says they were terrified. 
and ask each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You want to know why they were afraid? They've seen Jesus heal diseases and rebuke demons and, and, and raise the dead even, but now he rebukes even the weather. And the disciples were good little Jewish boys who went to synagogue and read their Old Testaments and they know there's only one who can do that. They'd read Psalm 89 verses eight and nine, which says, who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. This means that if Jesus can calm the storm, then Jesus is God. Jesus is the same God who spoke those very waters into existence, the same God who brought the flood in the days of Noah, the same God who parted the Red Sea for Moses and the Jordan for Joshua, the same God who calmed the storm for Jonah when he went into the belly of the fish. You see, we see Jesus' full humanity as he's tired and falls asleep in the boat, but we see his full divinity as even creation bows to do his will. And the disciples are quaking with fear because they realize that they are in the presence of the almighty creator God as he is hitching a ride in their fishing boat. Earlier this year, we spent a month in Colossians chapter one, which says this about Jesus. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. So Matthew wants us to ask this question, who is this Jesus? And he confronts us with the answer that this Jesus is the creator God himself in human flesh. And there is no storm that can rattle his confidence. There is no virus that can catch him off guard. And because of that, because Jesus is God, he's strong enough to save you. This means that when you pray this dangerous prayer, save us, that is a prayer that he will hear and a prayer that he will answer. But this prayer, save us, it can mean two things depending on where you stand with Jesus today. So first, let me talk to those of you who are already in Jesus's boat. Pray like you believe this. If you've placed your faith in Jesus and you've surrendered to him in baptism and you are actively following him, then you have no reason to fear. Jesus has saved you and Jesus can save you. And I know that in your head, you believe that. But if Jesus looked at you today and he saw your anxiety, what would he think of your faith? Now, I know that you believe that Jesus is God, but do you pray like it? Do you pray like you are addressing this very same God who created those waters and calmed that storm? Do you pray like you believe that God can still do miracles today? Because I know my own self and my own prayer life and sometimes our prayers are just pretty lame, pretty flat. But listen, when you are in Jesus's boat, don't be afraid to ask him to do impossible things. Don't just pray little faith prayers. I mean, ask him to save the most immoral person that you know. Ask him to expose and eliminate all of the sin in your life. Ask him to restore your marriage. Ask him to get rid of the cancer. Ask him to rescue your friend from addiction. Be a big faith. Be a prayer of dangerous prayers because you know the Lord of the storm. If you are in Jesus's boat, pray like you believe this. And to those of you who are not yet, in Jesus's boat, 
Believe this. Believe this. Because let me tell you, the only way that you make it through this storm to forever life, both now and on the other side, is through him. Because Jesus came and he looked at the storm. He looked at the mess that we were in. He looked at the pain of the world. He looked at all of your shame and your guilt and your fear and your little faith and your regrets and your rebellion, and he died for it. And when he hung there on that cross on Friday afternoon, it looked like he'd failed. It looked like God was just sleeping through the storm. But the good news is he did not stay dead because on Sunday morning he rose again and he conquered sin and death and the devil and he calmed the chaos once and for all and he is now offering us salvation, forgiveness for your past and power for your present and a promise for your future. You just have to ask. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And as always, we would love to have a conversation with you, to walk with you to Jesus. You can just go to mypcc.info, tap on the baptism card and, and let's go. Because Jesus is God, he's strong enough to save you. Let's pray. Lord God, you are strong enough to save and we trust you. And so God, for those of these people who are listening to me right now and are not following you, I ask you, to give them a soft heart and open ears, to break down their walls and to draw them in. And for those of us who do follow you, we ask you, save us. Save us from our little faith. Save us from our sinful actions and attitudes and use us to bring your saving power to the people that you have placed around us. Jesus, mighty God, creator and ruler of the world, we trust you. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.